Hey, so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online. And we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. Good morning, everybody. It's kind of surreal for me because I went to school here. So the amount of assemblies that I had where I was sat where you are, and they were stood here, I feel like I'm the boss, so I'm going to say, like, good morning, everyone. I feel like I've got the power. Um, so this morning's message is the last of the summer series of one-off messages. Um, before we move into a next series, which is called Heroes of the Faith. So for anyone who loves a title, uh, the title of today is Decisions decisions, if you're taking notes, decisions, decisions. To get us started, we're going to make a few quick fire decisions. If I'm going to make some statements. If you agree with the statement, you put your right hand up. If you disagree, you put your left hand up. Uh, Hopefully you will know your right and left at this point in your lives. So, number one, pineapple on pizza is acceptable. Okay. Okay, so people have spoken. Pineapple is acceptable on pizza. Okay. Question two. Summer is better than winter. Definitely. Summer is better than winter, apparently. Uh, Number three. Apple is better than Android. Now, this is going to divide families. (laughs) But both? Don't mind? Okay, cool. You can't sit on the fence with this one. Um, and lastly, sorry, not lastly, penultimately, football is better than rugby. Anyone that's got their left hand up, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Um, and lastly, Roger Federer is the greatest tennis player of all time. Now, it's not been mentioned yet, but there is a prayer team after the service. If you put your left hand up for that statement, make sure you see them at the end. They'll be wearing a nice green lanyard, and they can pray for you. So, five quick-fire decisions for you. Psychologists reckon that the average adult makes 35,000 decisions every day. 35,000 different decisions every day. If you were here last week, Sabian did some maths. So, Sabo, can you check the maths for me? Because I haven't got it up here like you did. On average, I think most people tend to sleep eight hours a day. Mostly, hopefully. Which means you're left with 16 hours where you're awake. 16 hours, 60 minutes. And in the 60 minutes, there's 60 seconds. So, if I'm right, I think 60 times 60 is 3,600 times the 16 hours that you're awake is 57,600 seconds every day where you could be making a decision. 35,000 decisions in 57,600 seconds, which means roughly you make one decision every one and a half seconds. One decision every one and a half seconds. So those numbers can start to give us a really good indication of how important our decisions are. Before we get into decisions, though, I want you to ask yourself 
a question. Where do I want to be? Where do I want to be? I want today's message to be practical, to be helpful for everybody individually. So I want you to ask that question and think of one area of your life that you'd like to grow in. It could be financially, spiritually, relationally, anything. Where do I want to be? So I'm going to give you 30 seconds just to think. Choose an area. Where do I want to be? If we know where we want to be, it will determine our intentions. And our intentions will help us to make good decisions. So a definition for intention is a thing intended, an aim or plan. And for decision, the action or process of deciding something or of resolving a question. So for any of you that have been going going to church for a long time, you will have heard recently A bit of a Christian buzzword has been intentional, intentionality. We need to read our Bibles intentionally. We need to pray with intentionality. Now, that's not wrong. I agree with that. But it's not our intentions that get us where we want to be. It's our decisions. Because it says a thing intended, an aim or a plan. I could aim to run a marathon. I could plan to run a marathon. But if I don't get up off my sofa in the evening and start running, start training for six months, I'm never going to be able to run a marathon. I have to decide to get up and do the right thing to get me where I want to be. It's decisions that define how our lives look, not intentions. And any time we make decisions, there are three things at stake. Number one is my future. My future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And we just read the definition of intention. It was a thing intended an aim or plan. So intentions and plan kind of mean the same thing. So you could read the verse. For I know the intentions I have for you, declares the Lord. Intentions to prosper you and not to harm you. Intentions to give you hope and a future. God has great plans and intentions for all of our lives. However, ultimately, the majority of our decisions determine the outcomes that we have in our lives. Today's decisions affect tomorrow's outcomes. You look at professional athletes, they have years and years where they make decisions, whether to train, whether to not train. And the ones that make it, the ones that become excellent at their sport, are the ones that tend to make the right decisions. Small, often hidden, positive decisions. And I say hidden because lots of our private decisions have public outcomes. Private decisions will often have public outcomes. The extra five minutes that they do when everyone leaves the training ground, you know, David Beckham, when he was practicing his free kicks, 
he became the best in the world at free kicks for about 10 years because of his positive decisions. Number two, others' futures. Others' futures. Like I said, the majority of outcomes in our lives are down to our own decisions, but also we can be affected by other people's decisions. Therefore, the decisions that we make can have an effect on their lives. Our decisions can either build people up or tear people down. For anyone who heard me speak last time with John, you would have heard me mention a little boy called Fred. Little hero. Um, He's seven, really, really good at tennis, really dedicated, great attitude, always puts in 100%. And a few months ago, there was a Thursday at four o'clock. We have our normal sort of individual lesson. It's just me and it's just him. And I wasn't in the best mood. I probably had a bad day. Um, Very, probably hangry. Um, and he came and we started doing the normal drills, we'd do what we'd usually do. But he didn't play to his usual standard. But it wasn't because of a lack of effort, a lack of trying, a lack of a good attitude. But I, in my bad mood, wasn't very happy and started pushing and pushing and demanding more and demanding more to the point where I made a seven-year-old boy cry. I tore him down. And I felt terrible afterwards. We finished at 5.30, and the next session I did with another coach, but I wasn't leading it, so I was kind of reflecting and thinking, you didn't need to do that. Why did you do that? Why did you make that decision to tear Fred down? So we finished at 7 o'clock. The next session finished at 7 o'clock. And at 7.05, I ring his dad, Ben, and I say, Ben, can I talk to Fred quickly? Is he in bed yet? He said, no, 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 he's up. He's fine. And I say, oh, hi, Fred. And he's, he's very quiet. He literally says nothing. And I said to him, I just want you to know I'm really sorry. The way the session went, the fact that you were upset, that was on me. That was my fault. I shouldn't have done that. You did nothing wrong. Your effort was great. Your attitude was great. Everything was great. And he walks in the next day, 4 o'clock, group lesson, with this big smile on his face. And he says, Josh, thank you so much for ringing me. And if you ever met Fred, I know you've met Fred, he doesn't, he doesn't talk. So for him to say that, it meant a lot to him. It built him up. And the next session, he trained like a beast and was out of this world and killed everyone that was in his path. Our decisions can either build people up or tear people down. And the third thing, my faith. Some decisions that we make can have a big effect on our faith. We could make a mistake. We could do something wrong, especially a habitual decision that we make that we deep down probably know isn't quite right. What's the first thing that the devil puts on us? Shame. Guilt. You could feel fearful. You could be anxious. And when we're feeling any of those emotions, the last thing we want to do is read our Bible, is pray, is go to church, worship. We don't want to do those things when we feel like that because we think, I don't deserve what Jesus did for me. So we start to pull away. And if it's a habitual bad decision, then eventually it affects our faith. Andy Stanley says, our decisions determine the direction and quality of our lives and other people's lives. 
our decisions determine the direction and quality of our lives and other people's lives. Where we want to be tells us our intentions. Our intentions should determine our decisions. And our decisions determine the direction and quality of our lives and other people's lives. So there are three questions I want to look at, three questions that I would like to give to you, three filters to help us with our decision making. Question one. That shouldn't be next. There we go. Question one. Am I reacting or am I responding? Am I reacting or am I responding? I think all of us naturally tend to be one or the other, either a reactor or a responder. And if you don't know which one you are, ask your family and they'll probably tell you you're a reactor. <laughs> now, one isn't better than the other. It's just we need different things for different situations. So sometimes we need a quick decision. We need someone to react and give an answer immediately. At other times, a decision would be best made after thought, after consideration. And we need a response. However, when we make big decisions and we react instead of respond, the outcomes are not good very often. A reactive decision could take us away from where we want to be. It could be that we want our family to be closer, but every time a certain thing happens, we react in a bad way, a way that pushes them away from us, and it takes us away from where we want to be. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When we're quick to listen and slow to speak, it means we can get context before we make a decision. It's more likely that we'll act rationally we'll make our decisions based on facts rather than feelings, based on what we think rather than what we feel. And feelings are good things to consider, but they shouldn't often be the ultimate factor that comes into our decision-making. So question one, am I reacting or am I responding? Question two, will this hurt me or someone else? I don't know about you, but I really wish I'd asked myself this question before I've made some really, really dumb decisions. <laughs> Will this decision hurt me or could it hurt someone else? Having one night where you don't get enough sleep, drinking alcohol when you go out with your friends, these aren't bad decisions as a one-off. But if there's weeks where we don't get enough sleep, preaching to myself here, and you know, you go out and get drunk every single night, then those are bad decisions. Those are decisions that could affect our health, affect our mood, and so affect our relationships with people. They could affect us financially or spiritually. And could this decision hurt someone else? Could the thing I'm about to post on social media offend someone? Could the thing I'm about to do cause someone else to stumble? The worst thing is that often when we make these decisions and we do hurt someone, the people we hurt tend to be the ones closest to us. They tend to be the ones that we love the most. So asking this question, 
could help you make better decisions in your relationships? Could it help you with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your children, your colleagues? Asking, will this hurt me or someone else? And then the third question, the most important question. What is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Proverbs 22.3 says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Prudent means wise, so the wise see danger and take refuge. They avoid it. They don't go towards it. They keep themselves far from it. But the simple, simple-minded, keep going and pay the penalty. They face the consequences of their bad decisions. So what is the wise thing to do? As Christians, we might have been asked or asked ourselves, what is the right thing to do? What's the right decision to make? I think that's the wrong question. Because we could make a decision that's not wrong, but it's still unwise. Any of you that are in the youth, in the next year or two, you might be going to university especially this time of year, you might be leaving in three or four weeks. To start a brand new relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend when you're about to be 200 miles from each other just before you go to university is not a wrong decision, but it could be an unwise one. It's not a wrong decision, but it could be an unwise one. It might end in people getting hurt. And often as humans, we don't look at things in black or white either. So it won't be, is it right or wrong? Because we'll try to justify things to ourselves. Often without realizing we can work on these assumptions. If it's not wrong, it's all right. If it's not illegal, it's permissible. If it's not immoral, it's acceptable. If it's not over the line, it's fine. Now you might be a parent, looking at my dad here, you know, just... Or an older sibling, or a role model to someone younger than you. And I bet you wouldn't set the bar that low for them. Because these aren't wise assumptions or ideas to live by. You wouldn't want your children to live by, if it's not wrong, it's fine. You know, don't worry about it. But in certain areas of our lives, over different times, we do. For Christians, the question could be, how far can I go without sinning? How far can I go without sinning? Often, though, we cross the line once. And then you cross the line twice. And then you keep crossing the line, and it becomes how far over the line can I go without getting caught? Or how far, how long can I do this thing before my outcomes become unmanageable? How long can I go on these websites before it's a problem? How long can I neglect my family before something bad happens? How long can I indulge in addictive behavior before I become addicted? It's a slippery, dangerous slope. But it comes down to the fact that we haven't asked the right question. What is the wise thing to do? And this isn't anything you don't already know. Because if someone you loved was close to doing something wrong, illegal, moral, 
the, where they started, you know, having that one drink, that's fine. There's no problem with that. But deep down in your heart, when you see the pattern and you see it increasing, intuitively you think, I know where this is likely to end up. But so often we see that for other people and we don't see it for ourselves. What's the wise thing to do? And these decisions would lead them away from where they want to be. That initial question that you asked yourself at the beginning, where do I want to be? Is it the wise thing to do? Am I making decisions that line up with my intentions and will therefore lead me to where I want to be? A question a lot of us will have heard growing up, you know, on those little wristbands, the WWJD ones that say, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would always do the wise thing. He always made wise decisions. No decision that he ever made in the grand scheme of, you know, eternity was unwise. So three questions to think about when making decisions. One, am I reacting or am I responding? Two, will this hurt me or someone else? And three, what is the wise thing to do? Am I reacting or am I responding? Will this hurt me or someone else? What is the wise thing to do? To finish, where do you want to be? Do your decisions match your intentions? And are your decisions taking you where you want to be? Some questions for you to think about about that area. And if you didn't pick an area earlier, I'd really encourage you to go home and ask yourself the question, where do I want to be? And ask yourselves these next two questions as well. And hopefully, whenever we make a decision in that area that we want to grow in, develop in, if we take ourselves through those three questions, we can make better decisions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for us all in this room that we can make better decisions, that we would make decisions that put us in the plans and the intentions that you have for us. I pray, Lord, that we'd respond and not react. We think about, is this decision going to hurt me? Or could this decision affect someone else? And ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? In Jesus' name, amen.